are you looking for pleasure coaching or sex education on your own private time? If so, visit beducated.com. You can get 40% off by using the URL code in the bottom of the notes of this episode on the app where you listen. Or you can click on the banner, the beducated.com banner on theytalksex.com. Right now, there's a special feature on vulva education, and that includes squirting and female orgasm and all kinds of other fun things like kink and anal. And I'm so glad that this is a resource because goodness knows, I wish I had time to take all of you as my own personal clients. Otherwise, go to beducated.com and you can have classes in the privacy of your own home anytime you'd like from notable sex educators around the world. There's videos and practice sheets, and don't worry, nobody can see you. It's all entirely personal and pre-recorded. So have fun. Let me know how you like it. Beducated.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, L Stanger. Find me on Twitter at L Stanger or my website, lstanger.com, for uh, how you can find my porn or my teachings or some of the other cool things I'm doing. I'm still at Stripper Writer on Instagram as of this recording. We are going to talk about anal penetration with a strap on, also known as pegging. This is the pegging book episode. We're going to talk to one of the authors who wrote the pegging book. Her name is Lindsay Miller. You can find her at Lindsay on Twitter, at Lindsay L. Miller on Facebook, and she hosts her own podcast called Polyamory Uncensored, and you can find that everywhere. Not to forget about her co-author, Cooper S. Beckett. You can find his website. We will add that in the show notes. And the book, uh, seems like you can find the book pretty much everywhere. So hi, Lindsay. Hi. Hi. Um, is there anything I forgot there that you think I should really add? Um, our book page is thepeggingbook.com and that's where you can find where you can buy our book and any information about it and the events that we're having. We have like a launch party and a couple launch parties actually. (laughs) Yeah. Right before we started recording, um, unfortunately, Cooper wasn't able to make it because of bad internet connection. Uh, he, we really wanted him to be here, but I said, you know, I feel like this episode's going to get some attention, so maybe he'll come back next season. And you, what did you say? Oh, I, I have heard from multiple podcasters that any episode, especially sexual education podcasts, any episode relating to anal sex gets like the most listens. So I feel like it's a topic that you can always bring back around if you're like, hey, I need some more listeners. Like, let's mm-hmm. let's talk about sex. Let's talk about anal sex. Mm-hmm. And Cooper has a real nice voice for uh, podcast and radio. So hopefully we talk to him in the future. Um, Yeah, I so like I mentioned just in the uh, beginning of this, I make my own pornography sometimes and I have had a handful of requests out of the blue, like, can you do a pegging scene? And I'm like, you know, it's not that easy for me to just have performing partners that are either adept enough in this to create that for you or to just find someone who's down. But like, there's definitely a need, a desire, a want. 
So I don't have any strap-on material. Um, I engaged with this a bit with one of my former partners, um, and he was a bit of a size queen. It was really, really impressive. But I'm not the expert, so we're going to learn more about this from you today. So let's do it. Uh, so why did you and Cooper choose to write this book? Well, I um, my, my day job is working at a feminist sex toy store. It's called The Toolshed and Erotic Boutique. And I met Cooper through the store because he was teaching classes about swinging and like hosting play parties um, years and years ago. I want to say this is going on like eight or nine years ago. And um, and so I met him through that. We became friends. And the joke of him being like a connoisseur of pegging and a pegging enthusiast was like obvious. He kept talking about it and he always wore like buttons and things talking about pegging and stuff. And so I thought that was really interesting and funny. Um, and when we got to chatting about it one day, I don't even remember how that happened. I was just thinking about like, so I have no experience being pegged as a cis woman, but, Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of experience in the industry when it comes to toys, harnesses, lube, um, even just asking people asking me questions as a like a sexual educator and someone who works at a store. So I was like, I have that background. You have the background of someone who loves pegging and has been pegged. I -hmm. also have the background of someone who pegs and (laughs) has pegged someone before. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. I was like, I feel like we should make a class. We should like teach a class here at the tool shed. And so that's how it began. We started teaching a class together, me doing the kind of like, uh, tools for the job side, him doing the more anecdotal, like mm-hmm. these are the stories that uh, I have about pegging side. And and it kind of worked really well together to make a fun class. And it always sold out. And every time we did this year after year for a couple, like five years, wow. uh, we we kept saying like, we should put this together in like a workbook or maybe an online class, or I don't know, maybe we should write a book. And then finally pandemic hit, um, our classes got canceled. And we thought, well, I can, we can either make it like an online workshop class or we could finally write a book and a book on specifically pegging doesn't exist yet. Like it hadn't existed yet in 2020. And we were like, you know, this is a a hole that needs filling in the market. (laughs) We should be the people to peg that hole. Uh, So yeah, it just kind of like, we both had time off. Both of our jobs were closed during the lockdown for like 10 weeks. And we're like, this is a good um, jumpstart into getting, uh, writing this like initial manuscript. And we did. And then we got picked up by a publisher the next year. And so yeah, that's how it all kind of began is like we started as a class, we started as friends and then created this class together and it transformed into a book. Beautiful. And somehow we got almost 50,000 words on just one sex act, which is still mind boggling, but we did it. Right. And the cover is so cute. The peach and it's like shadowy little butthole area. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So The Pegging Book, A Complete Guide to Anal Sex with a Strap-On Dildo by Cooper S. Beckett and Lindsay Miller. So pegging can be a loaded term, it seems like, um, and also seems like kind of a newer in the last couple of decades term. So we're going to talk about that next. Um, I couldn't find any, I mean, like, look, as as far as like historical like art and sex history, there's strap on sex and penetration sex, you know, acts being depicted like all over the place for hundreds of years. Um, But the term pegging was coined by Dan Savage in 2001. 
Yes. Yeah. So early 2000s, he ran a contest because in his um, column, people had kept asking about like anally penetrating their partners um, with a with a dildo. And so he was like, we need a word for this. And they him and his followers, his, his readers all kind of like pitched different terms. And then uh, they had a contest and pegging one. Um, so that was how the actual term pegging started, though, you know, the actual act. I mean, there have been references all the way back to like the Marquis de Sade, like it's mm. hundreds of years ago. So, uh, yeah, so it has been happening for quite some time. Mm-hmm. OK, so that's the origin of the term. And then real quick, uh, I didn't ask you this on the outline, but can you tell folks who the Marquis de Sade was and what else we got from him? Oh, God. Well, I mean, I would have to look that up because I would uh, I was looking up. It was so funny. Somebody had tagged the pegging Wikipedia just a few days ago um, on Twitter. And I looked it up and and I saw that line that was like, oh, um, you know, the Marquis de Sade, who was someone who was like imprisoned for being so filthy, (laughs) for being Mm -hmm. such a lascivious like perv. Um, And he was into a lot of kinky stuff. And so he but he wrote about it all and he wrote about it all the time. And to the point where people were very, very uncomfortable by his writings. Um, Mm -hmm. And I and I was so I was looking up the Twitter uh, or not Twitter. I was looking up on Twitter the Wikipedia article on pegging. And Cooper and I were cited four times in the in the Wikipedia article, and I was like, "Oh my God, I'm on Wikipedia! Mommy, I'm made Wikipedia it. famous!" Yay. <laughs> yes. wow. So I had just very in passing read about how the Marquis de Sade had um, had uh, mentioned or had described the act of pegging uh, recently, but uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know enough about him to really speak to him um, particularly. Luckily, I pulled up his Wikipedia, so because uh, I don't <laughs> either. Uh, so Marquis de Sade, and he has another name, but it's in French, and I am a silly American who doesn't know how to say like most other things. So he was a French nobleman who died in 1814, uh, revolutionary politician, philosopher, and writer famous for his literary depictions of a libertine sexuality. Um, okay, so apparently he says he denied writing some of the things that appeared anonymously under his name. He was also imprisoned for, oh gosh, about 32 years of his life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, he kept writing in prison and he kept writing really crude stuff and they took away his pen and paper and then he would start writing on the walls with like blood and shit. <laughs> so he was oh, like, could not, my. could not be stopped. A true artist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. We won't spend too much more time on it. And he wrote about a lot of stuff. So uh, let's just, let's see. Pornography. Sexual- Very interesting human. <laughs> yeah. Sexual fantasies with an emphasis on violence, suffering, anal sex, child rape, crime, blasphemy against Christianity. He was a fan of uh, public brothels. He was a proponent, it says, of free public brothels paid for by the state. Uh but this is a weird part. He's well, the other weird part. He says, um, in order to prevent both crimes and society that are motivated by lust and to reduce the desire to oppress others using one's own powers, uh, he recommended public brothels where people can satisfy their wishes to command and be obeyed. So definitely a lot yikes. there. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've definitely said before, like as a sex worker, people come to see us to engage in things that they might not be able to feel comfortable asking for with their partners or, 
dates or mates. But again, consent matters, people. So yeah, absolutely. That should be something pre-negotiated. And we actually talk about that in the book a lot, how, um, you know, oftentimes if folks feel uncomfortable asking for pegging with their partner, um, sex work is, or if they don't have a partner to ask, uh, sex work is a really valid option to find, you know, people who can help you with your fantasies. Mm-hmm. And as we record this, the year is 2022 still. And then some folks might remember last summer, 2021, there was a fashion runway show where a model wore a shirt that said Peg the Patriarchy, which you probably noticed. Yes, um, at the Met right. Gala, I believe. Yeah. Met Gala. Thank you so much. And Peg the Patriarchy is a term that goes back to sex educator Luna Matatas. Uh, can we talk about that real quick? Any thoughts you have on the phrase peg the patriarchy? Because I have just like one or two. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's it's a really interesting phrase because off, uh, people kind of took it to mean like, oh, so is pegging um, bad? Like you, you don't want the patriarchy, right? Like we want to fuck the patriarchy. But it's very similar in that term of like pegging is a form of fucking and fucking can be great and <laughs> wonderful and sexy just like pegging can and fucking can also mean to fuck over to, to, um, <laughs> dismantle really. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think that it was a, a tongue in cheek way of saying fuck the patri- patriarchy without uh, Adam at gala being able to, but then also the act of pegging is so, well, it can be kind of like revolutionary, can be kind of feminist in this like switch role reversal of women being the fuckers um, and in the like very gendered way of talking about pegging women being the fuckers, men being the fucked. And so, um, I think it was a kind of tongue in cheek, fuck the patriarchy, uh, message, but yeah, it, though I, and I believe Luna Matatas has also said this, that like it, it really is a, uh, I know it's like, you don't want to put words uh, in someone's mouth, but yeah, go ahead. A way of, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't want to. I yeah, I don't want to speak for Luna. And she's written extensively, especially right after this happened, because it was kind of like stealing her, mm-hmm. her content. Um, mm-hmm. And so she's talked a lot about how, uh, you know, she feels about uh, that woman and that designer taking her message and then maybe, maybe promoting it, maybe skewing it in a wrong way, and how the reception has been. So yeah, I would definitely look up Luna Matadas and her and her uh, analysis of what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do talk about it in the book. Tristan Terramino has an entire uh, foreword uh, in the beginning of our book talking about how that, you know, how she felt about that. Mm, okay. So I'm looking at lunamatatas.com. Um, there's merch. <laughs> you can buy tank top, <laughs> coffee mugs and things. Yep. Uh, so she says, uh, okay, so patriarchy has no gender. Um or I'm sorry, I'll read it. So Peg the Patriarchy, Luna Matatas coined Peg the Patriarchy in 2015 to get provocative about subverting the system of patriarchy. Patriarchy has no gender. Working to dismantle it benefits us all. Um, so just my one thought that hasn't already been said um, is like, I just want to be really careful with folks when we relate pegging to fucking something is like to assault the patriarchy. We don't want to relate that assaulting and pegging as the same so that's my only totally. right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah and, and right. um and i think yeah some people will definitely read that as being like an assault 
especially if they want to uphold the patriarchy, right? Right. <laughs> Whereas I feel like it's a little bit more of a, that dismantling of like taking it apart, mm-hmm. uh, destroying it, sure, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, like, um, but if, in that way that I I do I do say fuck the patriarchy all the time, but I also will <laughs> use fuck in a million different contexts. So, yeah. yeah, I'll continue to say fuck the patriarchy. I won't say pig say pig the patriarchy because I. You know, pegging was a thing that I did when I was making sweet, sweet love to a person with a strap right. on. Right. And I don't yeah. want to make sweet, sweet love to the patriarchy. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like when you say fuck the police, but you're like, but don't actually fuck them. Please don't actually fuck them. Like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Do you, speaking of opposition, do you encounter any opposition to writing about pegging? Yeah, actually, I would, I would say that the biggest opposition that we've had is from, um, queer folks in the community who feel that pegging has because it is such and because the origins of it were such a uh, a gendered term that it leaves them out of the equation Mm -hmm. and we really reference that and make a an effort to be inclusive in the book and talk about how pegging um is it does not have to be gendered and um even though the original like definition was catered to heterosexual couples Mm. it is truly just someone anally penetrating another person with a strap on dildo um so i often like to say that like oh we can totally degender the the term Mm -hmm. um when we come into opposition but i do know a lot of people who who feel that their gender is being invalidated by calling something they do pegging so like if a trans man is um anally penetrating his anal partner that's just gay sex to me you know like a a strap on dildo to a strap to a trans man is an extension of their body is their penis in my opinion so like um that's not pegging (laughs) like but i have heard from folks who are like a trans man getting anally penetrated by their cis partner with a strap on dildo I've heard them say that that's really validating calling it pegging because I'm a man. I'm getting fucked in the ass by my female partner, you know, like, and, and so, um, I think that you can really play around with it. Like so much with sexual activity, you can really play with it and you can discard it if you don't like it, if it doesn't speak to you. And if, if it makes you uncomfortable, you know, don't, Mm -hmm. but, um, but for me, pegging is like, like you were saying, like it's a loving act. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it can be done by, virtually anyone Mm -hmm. yeah I tend to use the term strapping because for me Mm -hmm. I'm always I'm putting on a strap on um and then I'm penetrating someone somewhere so yeah um and it does it's like that uh, strap on sex is kind of more of the umbrella that everything else is under Mm -hmm. um and so I feel like and oftentimes in progressive queer communities they have totally taken pegging out of the vocabulary because it's all strap on sex because again non-binary people exist trans folks exist and you don't ever want to make someone uncomfortable by being like oh i'm going to use this really gender term with an act with you because there's really no reason for it um where it is really important and and used more often is kind of vanilla heterosexual cis couples who are just branching out into fun sexy times Mm -hmm. uh but i do feel like the term pegging is kind of aged out of a lot of progressive communities 
Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of not progressive communities in America, you know, so mm-hmm. or in the world, in the world. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I do think that we kind of wrote the book a little bit for those people who are who don't know about pegging, right? And there are so many people in our community who are like, who cares? Like, yeah, everyone pegs. What? Like, that's not a big deal. And I'm like, no, actually, there's so many people who still have never heard about it. And so we have to kind of educate those folks too, you know? I'm I'm thinking now, I'm reflecting. um, So as a sex worker, I... Um, recently I've been doing a lot of clients, uh, digitally, so not in person, but through Mm -hmm. like one-to-one webcam or calls. Um, I had one last night actually, who, um, will ask me like, mistress, can I suck your dick or mistress, would you fuck me with your giant cock? And I'm just like, oh yeah. Okay. Like this is a thing that's coming up quite a bit and I'm trying to reflect on the language they use, but I don't know these people. I don't know what, you know, communities or identities they fit into they're they're all basically cis men as far as i'm aware but um it's definitely you know receiving anal anal penetration and wanting it is so much more common than i would have thought so Mm -hmm. here we are Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah well i mean it's i would say that the the ass is a universal sex uh sexual space you know everyone right. has one doesn't matter what genitalia you have in front you always have a butt you know so yep. um and i feel like so people are and just with like the expansion of porn and how prevalent anal sex is in general i imagine more people are just like oh that's something we should explore let's try things mhm all right so i asked my listeners and uh social media followers um, what tips do you have for strap on sex, AKA pegging? And I'm just going to read a couple. You react. Someone says, I like to receive tongue penetration before I'm penetrated. You have to have good hygiene for that. Agreed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, someone says, Get a vibrator or a strap-on that vibrates. The extra vibration really seems to help me relax. Yeah, I like to say that at work sometimes when it comes to like anal plugs or training kits or um, or vibrators. It, if you've ever held a vibrator in your hand for a long period of time and it starts to feel like your hand is going numb, <laughs> like sometimes it's... Um, it does that with the like anal sphincter muscles. It can help relax almost naturally numbing them because we do go into the book about numbing gels and how we don't necessarily recommend them mm-hmm. or numbing intoxicants like alcohol and drugs because mm-hmm. um, you could really do a lot of damage if you don't know what you're doing. You could really hurt yourself if you can't feel. And mm-hmm. so if you want a little bit of natural relaxation numbing, vibration will sometimes do that. Mm-hmm. And then also vibration just reaches deeper into your body to stimulate, mm-hmm. think, right? And I think help like the blood vessels dilate and open up too. Yeah. Um, okay, awesome. Someone else says, lube, lube, lube. You probably <laughs> can't use too much lube. The only time I feel like I've used too much lube is when there's not enough friction. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, let's see what else someone else says. Treat it like a marathon, not a race. Go very, very <laughs> slow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will often tell people if they are hoping to have anal sex for the very first time, 
and they're like coming into the store to buy supplies. If they're hoping to do it that night, I'm like, it's going to be a long night. You might want to give yourself like a couple days, a couple of, you know, days of just using a anal plug while you're having sex with your partner or while you're getting a blowjob or something like that. You might want to have a toy to work yourself up or, you know, gloved hands if you're interested in like using fingers and stuff. Mm. Uh, So there are a lot of ways to help get you ready. But just going right into it is often a recipe for disaster or at the very least a recipe for being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, going slow, using more lube than you expect, and a lot of communication is important. Mm-hmm. I'm looking around. Um, I was also looking around Reddit, uh, which I rarely do because uh, <laughs> Reddit really scares me sometimes. But these were some nice threads where people seem to be uh, pretty kind and respectful. Um, someone was saying, I can't find it, but they were saying you don't need an enema if you have enough fiber in your diet and just have a bowel (laughs) movement and shower and that you can use water to rinse yourself out. Um, but in general, if you have like a regular pooping schedule followed up by a shower or a bath, like you'll probably be fine. Um, Oh yeah. Okay. But a lot of people don't have regular diets with a lot of fiber in them. So (laughs) sure. Yeah. Yeah. If it is an issue and you are really worried about it, then, um, enemas are definitely, or douche, you know, little like nozzles, uh, they're, they're good, but we definitely recommend that like, um, they're not necessary if you are, if you do have a healthy diet, if you do have regular, regular bowel movements. And I will say that like, sometimes, enemas beforehand can make things more messy because mm-hmm. there's uh you know the the colon is kind of a a winding curvy sl type shape and so water can get stuck there and so if you're not doing it hours and hours ahead of time um you can actually be a little you, you can make things a little bit more messy because there's like extra water mm-hmm. stuck yeah, in the colon can stir mm-hmm. up stir up more yeah right and right. we also say that like don't go overboard with enemas because you can kind of disrupt the natural flora and fauna of your colon. There's good bacteria there too that needs to be there. And so you don't want to um, clean your insides out too much. So yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely be careful with uh, enemas. Uh, Do some research on what is the best like way to do it. But I've heard of people, I mean, mostly like performers, like porn performers who will do enemas and not eat for a full day beforehand. And I'm just like, oh, that makes for the sexual activity you're about to do sound so much less pleasant. Yeah, (laughs) like I'm tired. Yeah, Yeah. like tired and angry. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, that sounds absolutely horrible. I don't think it's necessary to go that route. Although I I understand with like performers, it's a different, it's a whole different thing. Like, again, Mm -hmm. they are, they're marathon racers professionally so they know what they're doing (laughs) but yeah I uh it's really not I don't think for most folks necessary to to skip meals or to uh or to have enemas Mm -hmm. Uh, but people should do what makes them feel comfortable Mm -hmm. something I've read before and folks have said before is try not to have a diet heavy in seeds like a couple days before because take a while to Mm -hmm. flush out um and then when we're talking about enemas we're talking about just water correct uh, sometimes uh, there's like solutions that are make the water a little bit more pH friendly. And these have been like created by gay men for gay men generally. Mm. Uh, so those exist. Those are out there in just little, little powder packets that you put in the water. Uh, but generally just warm water or like, you know, 
uh, warmish water. Yeah. Uh, you definitely don't want to put cold water in. It kind of shocks the system a bit. But yeah, there are some solutions out there to help make things a little bit more um, butt friendly. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah, just water is mm-hmm. the best. Yeah, I would say just if you're not sure, just use water because you don't mm-hmm. want to absorb anything that could hurt you. Or Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Um, I might cut this, but I was just looking through my performer uh, kinkster friend's Instagram the other day, uh, Valentine Von Betty, and she said that she woke up early to prep for um, a scene and she was talking about cleaning out her, her colon or rectum area. I'm sorry, rectum. And uh, someone said uh, in response to her that they use a little bit of silicone lube in the water. Mm. And I thought that was interesting. So I'm going to check back with her about that. Sure. Um, I can't see. I mean, silicone is inert. It's generally people don't have allergies to it. It's it's pretty um, it's pretty butt safe. Like, in fact, if people are interested in anal sex, I always say, like, if if you're um, either covering a silicone toy with a condom or if you're using like a biocock, like uh, silicone is probably the best for anal sex because it, it's always very slippery. It always stays slick mm-hmm. and a little goes a long way. So putting that in the water, I think what it would probably do is make things pre-slippery. It'd be like mm-hmm. injecting lube in before sex, you know, so mm-hmm. you should probably leave a little bit of Uh, because silicone is kind of hard to wash off you have to wash it off pretty much Mm -hmm. so I think it would just leave some silk slick residue Mm -hmm. uh, which would be good if you're having spontaneous anal sex Mm -hmm. and uh silicone can stain your sheets just a little bit but uh, a little bit yeah yeah um okay so it looks like you have a book launch party very very soon uh yeah this Sunday yeah October 16th yay it'll go great Um, (laughs) i'm very excited about it yeah cooper and i are doing a little like get together party book reading book signing and then we're having a um uh like myth versus fact pegging facts kind of game mostly because we wanted to be able to give people pegging supplies so we're like hey come over and play this game and we're gonna throw some dildos and lube at you hell yeah so the book is The Pegging Book, A Complete Guide to Anal Sex with a Strap-On Dildo by Cooper S. Beckett and Lindsay Miller. Um, remind me the general website for the book. Just thepeggingbook.com. Beautiful. Did you know that Monistat and Vagisil can make your vagina so much more unhealthy and actually make it burn? So instead, I recommend Momotaro Apothecas, salves and oils. Check out their products. I even use it to prevent razor burn because I shave pretty often down there. Use code STRIPPERWRITER. Hey, that's me for a discount and let us know how you like our products and stay tuned for an upcoming episode on vulva and vaginal health because I love talking to small business owners that are creating better products for our bodies and that includes Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. Please throw us, if you enjoy this show, which if you're still listening, you probably do, or you can at least tolerate it, please throw us a good review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen. Um, My guest right now is Lindsay Miller from The Pegging Book. She hosts her own podcast, Polyamory Uncensored, and you can find that 
all over the place. She is at Lindsay on Twitter, and her author page on Facebook is at Lindsay L. Miller. And her co-author, Cooper S. Beckett, also has a website where you can find the book and more info about this topic. So let's do some listener questions. This question really, really jumped out at me. And with the limited information we have, I just thought it was worth addressing. Um, So listener question one, my boyfriend said he wants me to penetrate him in a way that will cause injury, and I don't feel comfortable doing that. Any advice? Speaking of Marquis de Sade. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I want you to So this is a really interesting question because... um, I imagine the boyfriend in question knows what his limits are or has an idea. And I'm wondering if, so maybe the, what he's requesting is a really big toy and the partner feels like it's too big and it will cause injury or it's too long or it's too wide. Um, So I'm, so this is really curious because like the butt is rather accommodating. I'm always amazed at seeing <laughs> the toys people buy for specifically for anal sex. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they look really big, like too big. Uh, and yet the butt is, the butt finds a way. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so I would be curious to, you know, chat with this person and see if, if it's their understanding that it will cause injury or if the boyfriend actually wants to cause injury because that is a different mm-hmm. thing right mm-hmm. um because you can always work up to a with gradual plugs like get getting bigger and bigger stretched out uh to accommodate a really big toy without doing damage you just have to do it really slowly with a lot of lube a lot of working up mm-hmm. um and so if that's the case then then i would say just you know do a lot of work to prepare your partner for that large toy. Mm-hmm. Now, if they actually want to be in, injured um, in like a kinky scene, that I would say is going to be a lot more of a risky territory because you can actually, um, you can actually injure yourself anally that will, and you will need to be, um, you will need to go to the emergency room, right? Yeah. Like you have to be, helped if there are certain things uh that rupture in the anus or you know like a a blood vessel or something that just won't stop bleeding i've heard of performers that had really really intense anal scenes in porn and they had to they ended up in the emergency room because Mm -hmm. they they're like rectum would not stop bleeding Mm -hmm. um so you it is a very tender area on the body and you do have to be really careful um so i would say for that kind of fantasy then i would um discuss with your partner how you can fake it, how you can Mm. have the idea of the fantasy without actually doing causing injury, Mm -hmm. because that's a really risky territory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, what, so to revisit, yeah, what you just said, a lot of work or a lot of play to prep or relax because yeah, when the heart and the butt is willing, you can definitely fit a lot of things up there. But like desire and being relaxed is definitely a primary motivator to opening up um, emotionally, anally, you know, physically. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I, maybe this is just because I dated a, a, a real masochist. Uh, I read it in the other way where it's like he almost maybe wants to engage in some kind of self-harm as catharsis, which people do, but they call it self-harm, you know, right? partner violence. So I would say to this person, good for you on acknowledging what you don't feel comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. And then also to what you said, if you do cause significant damage, you definitely don't want that on your conscience or you don't yeah. want them pointing the finger you know, even if it was what they asked for in the first place. Um, so what you said about being able to maybe make the fantasy happen, I feel like verbal talk is a really good way to kind of lean into a fantasy even more like, oh, I'm stretching you out, you dirty bitch boy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so much of sex is mental anyways. So yeah, c- creating that fantasy with um, words alone could probably help a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, if this person hears this and feels comfortable uh, offering a follow-up as to what happens, please email me, theytalksex at protonmail.com. So on the other end and also related to this question, listener question two, how can I help my cis man or men partners feel more comfortable receiving anal penetration? <laughs> He's afraid. <laughs> Okay, so whose idea is this, first of all? Yeah, that's interesting because oftentimes, you know, if if a if a partner is asking to be pegged, uh, they might have some trepidation about the act. But if they're afraid, are they being coerced into it? Are you trying to get them to do something they don't want to do? Because we are very, very clear at the book that if your partner is not interested on either side in pegging you or being pegged, then that's a no-go. Like mm-hmm. maybe you can put plant the seed and say, hey, if you're ever comfortable later down the road, let me know if you're um, comfortable with. Uh, mm-hmm. But if they're just like absolutely no-go, maybe they have sexual trauma relating to something like being anally penetrated in their past. Maybe they have tried it and it was horrible for them. You know, uh, we always say try things twice, but also if there's trauma involved, you have to work through that trauma before you can keep like you could maybe re-traumatize yourself by trying harder, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, if your partner is totally disinterested in pegging, I gotta say it's it kind of it's sad, it sucks, but you, that's just not going to happen. Then, mm-hmm. um, if you are in an open relationship, that's a little diff- that's a different story because maybe you can um, explore with a different partner. But if your partner is uncomfortable and does not want to be pegged, then mm-hmm then they shouldn't be pegged, right? Like it's a, Mm -hmm. sex is, is a, it takes two, right? So it takes two consenting adults to have sex. So at least two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Okay. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else I would add to that. Um, I mean, I think if it's uh, about like, they really are excited, but they're afraid of how mm. it will feel or what it'll do. I mean, there are a lot of cis men out there, like cishet men who are afraid it will make them gay. Mm. And I often like to say that like, well, nothing will make you gay, especially having sex with your woman partner. Like that's pretty <laughs> damn heterosexual, bro. You know, like, <laughs> um, but so sometimes people have like mental fears surrounding mm-hmm. pegging and they are worried that it'll make them less of a man because they're being fucked. They're worried that it'll make them, um, I don't know, it, it has a lot to do with internalized sexism and, and homophobia ultimately. Mm-hmm. But 
um, kind of, you know, a lot of communication to talk to them about the fact that like, no, nothing makes you, makes you gay. No sex act makes you gay. It's how gay is who you're attracted to. If you're attracted mm-hmm. to someone of the opposite sex, probably not a hundred percent gay. Right. Uh, but if you wrong um, with being gay also, exactly. Right. And it is all based in homophobia. It's like maybe make your partner comfortable with the fact that like, also that's not a problem. Like mm-hmm. if you were to come out, you're still a good person. You're still like a human valid, you know, whatever that deserves pleasure and love. <laughs> so even more, um, that's not the end of the world. Opinion. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I encourage mm-hmm. my boyfriends. I'm like, be gayer, please. <laughs> <laughs> right, it will absolutely. diversify our life. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, gosh, I had a thought and then I lost it. Oh, that's what it was. Um, so I have heard from people that um, received anal penetration or were pegged that even when they did want it and it was their idea that it did bring up feelings. So, and yeah, I think that's oh, yeah. really, right. Totally. So, and also if you've never been penetrated and literally felt someone else move inside of you, that's a whole different universe sometimes. Um, so I guess, yeah, just see what comes up. And then also we have other tools and tips in other episodes of, uh, for, decompressing time and check-ins and ooh, that was a cool beep what was that it's my cat meowing oh cute <laughs> he's, he's sitting at the window oh. and he sees a bunny outside and he's oh, just like cute. he's so mad about it and oh, i'm like buddy. shut up shut up <laughs> that's so cute well either easy to cut or i'll leave it in for cuteness um <laughs> okay <laughs> however you're comfortable um okay so listener question three we kind of talked about this also, but um, let's just see if there's anything else we forgot. How should I prep for receiving anal penetration? Time. You want time and privacy. Uh, I was reading a thread where someone was saying that um, she and her fiance, because of the fact that they have children that are small, they can only do it a couple times a month. Uh, and sure. Yeah. To, yeah. Do it more when the kids are older and away. So definitely time and space and privacy. I would say one. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, using uh, fingers, your, you know, factory installed sex toys, they are always cheap and are free and (laughs) easy. Um, If you are squigged out about using your hands, you can always use gloves and a well lubed glove works even better, I think, than just ungloved hands. They're much slipperier if you're wearing like latex or nitrile gloves. Mm, Um, So that is nice. It's a nice option. And again, is free. Um, and then you, know, you can kind of explore with fingers in a way that will make it easier to, if you are interested in buying a plug or a toy, easier to buy because then you know, like, okay, well, generally speaking, the diameter of two fingers, and that's what we've been able to do is one inch or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. 1.5 inches. Mm-hmm. And so then you can buy a toy or a plug and you're like, okay, I know I can take that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so exploring with your fingers is really good for first timers And then um, having different kinds of sexual intercourse with a plug-in or playing with a toy or playing with a vibrator, even just on the outside of your body or against like the taint area Um, and maybe exploring with like massage on the outside area or just inside the like rectum. All of those things can make you more comfortable with the act so that when you actually do get down to pegging, you you're like, oh no, I, I, or I'm an expert at 
my butt. You know, like I know mm-hmm. what I like. It's you should really explore a lot because then you know what you like and you know how you like it. So mm-hmm. I just wrote down buy more gloves. I'm out of black nitrile gloves. <laughs> yeah, black nitrile gloves are the best because then because people are so squigged out and concerned about like poop. Like that's like the big concern. I think for most people, they're like, well, what if I poop? And it's like, well, you might. Uh, you might. Yes, absolutely. If you have regular bowel movements you, and you did like go to the bathroom that day, you probably won't. But there's always trace amounts left over. There's always is not, not necessary, but like sometimes there is. And mm-hmm. so, yes, if you're using a big toy or a plug or even a gloved hand, like there might be trace amounts and that squigs people out. So using black gloves, dark toys, black condoms over a toy you kind of don't see it or you don't have to see it anymore and then you just take it off throw it in the garbage you never have to think about it again Mm -hmm. I really really love gloves as someone that is a germaphobe and then also I you know if I'm done doing one thing it doesn't mean I'm done doing all of the things so yeah exactly right Right. I just I'm like I don't want to have to worry about putting my hand in your mouth or your eyes even yeah. or your, your pussy. So yeah. I just take it yeah, off. For folks with vaginas, yeah, you never really want to go back and forth. So gloves are always really nice. So you can you can play with the butt. You can take your glove off. You can either put a new glove on or just use your hand, and then you can move to other places. Yeah, that's always really nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll move on to the last question, which is very very similar, but I think there's a couple more things we could add. Uh, listener question four, this person asks, do you have any general tips for first timers in giving or receiving? Mm. I want to say as far as giving, I was astounded at how tired I got from thrusting. I know. <laughs> yeah. I never feel more out of shape than when I'm pegging. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. I'm like this, like I've said it over and over again. I'm like, this is why my boyfriends always have tighter butts than me because they are typically right. thrusting. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we do talk about that uh, in the book a bit, like prepping for being a pegger. You almost want to you almost want to like stretch, you know, really get limber beforehand, like you're going to go for a run or something because mm-hmm. the act of thrusting and you have to be slow. Right. So that's even harder is like doing these very slow um, conscious movements mm-hmm. with your body and being and staying still in certain positions, which can sometimes make you like leave your entire body shaking because you're like, oh, God, I'm going to fall up. Like doing a plank. Mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. hard sometimes, you know, you mm-hmm. could do it for 20 seconds and then you're like, oh, I am really out of shape. <laughs> and that movement of, of moving back and forth uh, for thrusting is, I guess, maybe more natural, not natural. That's that's the wrong word. But like, I guess guys often are used to it after having sex for so long and when I first did it I was like oh my god is this what you do every time this is so (laughs) exhausting I I, I kind of don't like it because I'm like oh it's so much but your body does get used to being able to do a certain thing if you practice it right so Mm -hmm. uh yeah it can be really exhausting so and also just giving yourself some leeway to being like if you are exhausted you're allowed to stop and take a break take Mm -hmm. you know a water break or go make yourself some lunch or something, you know, you're allowed to take a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or stretch. You know, sometimes you get like a Charlie horse too. And you're like, Oh, I have to, (laughs) but there are also a lot of positions you could do it. in. you know, if you're thinking about pegging as just like doggy style, which I think some people will um, immediately uh, conjure up that image, but there's, we even have a pegging um, position guide in the book where we have, I want to say it's 10 to 12 
different positions. And so you can do pegging, standing with your partner on the side of the bed, You can, which is probably the most comfortable for folks. Um, you can do it with your partner face up and you're kneeling on the bed. There are like liberator wedges, positioning aids and things that you can add to your sex that make things easier, lift up the butt, lift, you know, lift up the hips. And so there are ways to do it. If you're, if you're getting really uncomfortable, you can switch it up. Um, mm-hmm. So there are definitely a lot of positions out there to make it easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thrusting or rocking or just holding your hips. Like you said, yeah. Ask your doctor if your heart healthy enough for pegging. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Pillows, furniture. Oh, something that I found really helpful when I was receiving anal penetration and I hadn't in years. So I was a bit out of practice. Like again, the desire was there, but something that I found really helpful that I remembered. So my boyfriend partner, so it was his penis, so not a toy, but still, this is the same either way. Um, Because I had anxiety about pain and discomfort and he knew that, he very intuitively said, he's like, I'll hold still. You just back up against me. You push on me. Mm -hmm. You're in control. Yeah. And sometimes I've heard that from like uh, some guys into pegging that they prefer to be on top, kind of riding cowboy style (laughs) yeah yeah nice and because they can control it they can control all of the movements and the depth and and take it at their own pace and i do think that that's a really good way for anybody um to to explore anal sex is to really go at your own pace before you're being like i don't know jackhammered by someone behind you because like that can be really what some folks assume is normal for anal sex, even beginning oh. anal sex, because they've learned it from porn. They're like, this should be what you do, right? And it's just, it's so the opposite of what is like shown in porn. Right. I remember there was a, um dating myself, but that's okay because I love historical context. But there was a DVD series I remember stalking on the the walls of the shelves at uh, one porn shop that I worked, and it was called Straight to the A. And the point of those was that there was no kissing, no foreplay, just literally scene starts and it's straight to the A with thrusting. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I feel like Sasha Gray might have been in one of these. I could be wrong. But, oh. you know, and again, to spec- yeah. to like really, really point out that that is not typical for, I would say, most anal play unless you. No, have- no, not at all. Yeah. In fact, and in, in, if you actually, you know, know about the behind the scenes of porn, those actors were probably wearing plugs all day long or gradually going up in plugs all day long, you know, douching mm-hmm. and and cleaning up and shaving and doing all of this prep beforehand mm-hmm. so that it can look like and even maybe um, inserting like- with like a little uh, lube launcher lube inside of them, all of this prep so that it can look like they just... Mm-hmm. went straight to the ass mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that is not the case at all and mm-hmm. yeah I, we always like to say in the store that like learning about learning about sex at all from porn is a lot like learning to drive by watching fast and the furious yeah, that's, like, what that's I just not how the, the world works yeah. <laughs> like, not at all i love hearing that because i use that analogy too it's oh, so really? yeah <laughs> it's so good for our generation yeah totally mm-hmm. yeah um okay great that's Wonderful to hear. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. Everybody check out The Pegging Book, A Complete Guide to Anal Sex with a Strap-On Dildo by Cooper S. Beckett and Lindsay Miller. Find me on Twitter at lstanger or lstanger.com. 
Hey Elle, where did you train to be a sex educator? I went to instituteforsexuality.com. If you do not need to be ASECT certified, you can take their shorter program. It's new. It's called Sweet Sexual Wellness Education and Enlightenment Training. It's about half the price of their regular program and you can do it at your own pace because it's all on demand. You can take it online. You can take one learning path at a time to make it more manageable financially. Go to instituteforsexuality.com and click on on-demand programs. You can check out their other classes too. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. We have been going for almost two seasons now at about 20, yep, 25 episodes a season. So short seasons, but I am a busy whore. So find me all over the internet doing other things. If you enjoy the show, please rate or review us wherever you listen. And thank you to voters in Portland area and online and listeners everywhere who voted They Talk Sex, the best Portland podcast 2022. That warms my heart and also fuck the haters. So let's do the last couple of uh, discussions, uh, questions about pegging. We are talking to Lindsay Miller uh, at Lindsay on Twitter, at Lindsay L. Miller on Facebook, and then CooperSBeckett.com is her co-author. We definitely would love to have, I say we, I'm so used to talking about uh, me and as if I have a co-host still. I did co-host podcasts for like four years before this. So I would love to have Cooper on in a later season. Uh, folks write to us, they talk sex at protonmail.com for feedback or questions about this episode or others. So Lindsay, we've talked about anal sex with a strap on for the last nearly an hour. What other books, resources, websites, people do you recommend or have been helpful to you? Uh, Yeah, for sure. Before pegging was a term, uh, Carol Queen had a series of, I think, DVDs and potentially also a book called Bend Over Boyfriend. And Mm. um, her partner, Robert, and her really like uh, kind of revolutionized the active pegging before pegging had a term before it had a name, right? they just called it like strap on sex and they did workshops and, um, a lot of education on it. So they were pioneers in, um, the like education on pegging again in the early nineties. Um, so quite a while ago, uh, but they did a lot of work there. So I would say, look up, um, Carol queen, her partner, Robert, um, bend over boyfriend, the series, bit dated maybe you know there's probably some really cool uh 90s outfits uh, <laughs> <laughs> 90s is in again or whatever yeah it totally like is yeah i know it's come all the way back yeah. um so don't over tweeze your eyebrows though that shit doesn't necessarily grow back i know the thin brow look is coming back in but oh nope never for me nope not not a good <laughs> not a good look i'm good facial structure yeah no i used to shave yeah. my eyebrows off and draw them on with a sharpie and yeah no it's oh, not a good ouch thing. I know. Well, That's so much work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say also Tristan Terramino has, um, well, she has an expert guide on anal sex for women book. So if you're interested in just anal sex in general, that's a great book. Um, Charlie Glickman has an expert guide to prostate pleasure book. Um, and that one's also really great if you're just interested in like, um, prostate play. Um, gosh, what else is there? There's, 
I feel like Violet Blue had a book on strap on sex. So that one is also kind of like degendered. And I think also in the early 2000s, it was published. So probably before Pegging had a name. Ruby Ryder is oh. a podcaster and porn star, I think, or maybe just maybe they're a dominatrix. Uh, they also have been working on a pegging project that is forthcoming. So, I mean, look them up. They're pretty cool. I know that they've written some like pegging erotica and stuff. So Ruby Ryder is a big name in the community. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Ruby Ryder, public figure, Miss Nude World 2022, international Playboy cover model feature, entertainer, traveling showgirl, professional goofball, and then <laughs> sex educator of pegging. Enjoy her blogs, webinars, and erotica. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, that was a ton. That's a ton of info. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's a lot of people who we were, they were on our like contact list when it came to writing the book. We interviewed a lot of people. And so they, those were all the people who came to mind because those were the ones that we contacted first. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a lot of good names and info. Yeah. yeah I hadn't heard a lot of cool of, people. thought of Violet Blue in at least a year. And I have a couple of her <laughs> books too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So as we come to an end, anything else you'd like to add or promote? I know there's upcoming events. Uh, I know people can find your podcast, uh, Polyamory Uncensored. Yeah. I mean, um, well, the book is technically launching today. So I don't know when this is going to go up, but the but the day that we're recording is October 14th and we are, the book is out. And so I, I keep every interview we've done so far, I'm like, well, look forward because it's coming out soon. It's gonna, and no, it is today. It is out and it is ready. So thepeggingbook.com. You can find it in a bunch of different places. Um, a place that honestly, it helps me if you buy it from them, um, is my job. So toolshedtoys.com or the toolshed and erotic boutique. It's like a roundabout way to like support me while also supporting me. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. just cause I also love my job and I want them to stay open. So the brick and mortar stores mm-hmm. gotta, uh, I, and that's another thing I would also say for anyone buying sex toys, harnesses, lube, Go to your local, uh, like if you have one, hopefully you have one, brick and mortar sex mm-hmm. toy shop. Cause one, they're gonna be able to answer your questions. Hopefully, they're gonna be able to give you some insight. But then also you're promoting a small business. Try not mm-hmm. to go on Amazon to get these kind of things because mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's often like not reputable sources for the things that you're mm-hmm. buying all the time. Um, and so that's mm-hmm. that's always something that I recommend. Or buying online from a brick and mortar sex toy shop, like um, any of the like more progressive, uh, shops like ours, the tool shed. Um, I know that there are a couple, there's one in Toronto good for her. And we're actually going to be doing a little mini book tour and driving over to Toronto. Cause it's from us, it's Ooh. only like nine hour drive. So we're going to drive to Toronto, do a class. And, um, there's a couple in, I believe Portland and, uh, there's in California, there are a couple of progressive sex, sex toy shops. So try to find one close to you and give them your money because they're, uh, dwindling, you know, people, Amazon uh-huh. is killing us oh. all. So yeah, it is. Oh, it certainly is. Yeah. Um, in many, many ways. And also, yeah, what you said before about, um, besides just like Jeff Bezos being a, I was going to call him a butthole, but that's an insult to buttholes. Right. Um, bes- you might order a toy that is from a dusty ass warehouse or in worst case scenario, someone else's return yep, because some of these vendors are not ethical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it happens. And I want to say, yeah. Uh, 
I understand that cost can be prohibitive or where you live, but yeah, you said everything. If you can buy more direct from the source, that's wonderful. And then also the porn shop that I worked and learned uh, so much of my info for three years, they don't exist anymore mm-hmm. because the internet and chains put them out of business. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. And that's happening a lot. So yeah, trying to seek out your local sex positive store or local-ish online store is is really beneficial to us all because we I think I feel like those kind of stores are really a um like a boon to the neighborhood that they are in or the city that they're in because sex education is so important and so lacking Mm -hmm. in like our education Mm -hmm. system. Mm-hmm. So I ask every guest this, Lindsay, do you have any last sex tips for our audience? Mm. Lubrication and communication. My best advice for anyone is use more lube than you think and communicate more than maybe you're comfortable with because we are all, uh, we all live in the society that shames us for being sexual beings. And so it's really hard to talk sometimes. And I totally understand that. I sympathize with it and I have been there. Uh, but learning how to communicate your wants and desires with your partner, learning about what you are interested in so that you can communicate because sometimes the words just aren't there because you don't know what you don't know, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, communication and lubrication, most important things to any sex act. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Um, I foresee a really bright, uh, pegging-filled future for you and your partner. There's so much uh, interest in this topic. And you said 50,000 words on just a single sex act. Yeah, you know, like it, it, it kind of, it blows my mind. But also we do talk about uh, so much revolving around it, you know, stigma, shame, um, how it has been portrayed in pop culture. We just kind of go all over the place on like, what, what is pegging all about? And then, and then, you know, how, how do you do it safely? Mm-hmm. Yeah, more safely. Uh, all right, everybody. So you can buy the pegging book um, online all over the place and especially in your local, hopefully, brick and mortar or ask for it too. Um, otherwise, you can listen to Lindsay on her podcast, Polyamory Uncensored, and you can find me, lstanger.com. I, ooh, I don't know if it'll be out already. I have an upcoming, my first ever live sex show with my man partner on October 27th at camsoda.com forward slash stripper writer. So there might be media from there, or maybe you can catch it live between 7 and 8 p.m. PST. Get your tokens ready. Uh, Some people forget I am a sex worker. Um, We will not be doing any pegging um, that I'm aware of. I don't think that's his thing. But, you know, we've only been dating a year and sometimes it takes people a while to open up and really ask for what they want. So who knows? (laughs) The future is unwritten. Um, All right. Thanks, Lindsay, for joining me here. Yeah, thank you for having me. 